Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is MFers, a parenting podcast. Today I have on the show someone who's near and dear to my heart. He's my first comedy mentor. He was my boss at National Lampoon, Scott Rubin. And man, he tells a crazy story about his becoming a father and career intersecting. And it was really really cool i'm so excited for you to listen to this check out koicbd.com for all your cbd needs listen there's a lot of people out there like oh does cbd do anything eh, it doesn't even get you high what like it's great it, it i use it for so many different things it helps me sleep better it it relieves anxiety it's good for pain relief you have a headache a stomach ache i take it, it it helps relieve the pain. It's not going to cure everything that's wrong with you. What's the matter with you? There is no such thing for that. But go to KoiCBD.com. They have the highest quality CBD products. Use my promo code MFers at checkout for 20% discount. And uh, enjoy the show. I've got a lot of exciting guests coming up. And I'm going to be doing a solo episode, as I mentioned last week, coming up soon. Just waiting to get more listener questions and feedback to bounce off of. So send it on over to me, mferspodcast at gmail.com or at mferspodcast on Instagram. Without further ado, Scott Rubin. I'm, I'm a little rusty these days with the mic. Hey guys, it's Sandy and this is MFers uh, Parenting Podcast. Today I'm joined by my old my my <laughs> first comedy mentor really and uh my old boss you you i don't know you never really had a, a boss type quality you're just kind of like you're the leader but you didn't like lord over people when we worked at national lampoon <laughs> Well, I mean, what was I supposed to do? Like, I was threatened to fire you, and then I'd have nobody, okay? It'd just be me, looking in the mirror, going, what do you think of that idea? Oh, that's pretty good, you know? And then he'd take me away in a car. <laughs> I think we were like Don Rickles. Who the fuck? We were all at risk of being taken away in a cart when we were working at National Lampoon. And we had Phil, too. We yeah, had Phil Haney. And then we had, what, 25 interns. Yeah, we, we really had a good model of slave labor when we worked there that i was particularly good at yeah you were yeah yeah so i that's nice to know that but you know i i ushered in that era of plantation of free labor yeah oh you you were i was the first and then they asked do you have any other friends that moved out here from college that would want to intern here and then that's how it all started really 
Yeah. Did I just admit, I am so paranoid right now with the Me Too and the whole thing. Did I just admit to being a slave owner? No, no. No, no, all slavery, those, all those, no slavery. I mean, if they could take people down, for, why not? All those unpaid interns went on to do bigger and better things. That was And they legal. were there on their own volition. And that was legal at that time. Yes, it was legal at that time. Although I remember one time the doors were locked. <laughs> we were just human trafficking, but not for <laughs> sex slave, for editing and production slaves. For making viral videos. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Anyway, Scott Rubin, filmmaker, comedian extraordinaire, brilliant writer, brilliant comedy mind. Thank you for joining me. And Thank father you, of three. Three grown children. Father three, yes. That I see now out socially, which is so strange because I've known them since they were children. Yes, they used to come by the lampoon. Mm -hmm. And I would come over sometimes mm -hmm. to work on stuff. I think Zane, when she was seven or eight, she had her own radio show at the lampoon radio station downstairs. You really? That? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No. Once a week, she would come in and do the... There were no podcasts back then. Right. It was for XM, right? I, we had a, a serious or XM we, station there. I'm never quite sure what the hell it was, but we uh, we had a radio show. It's I don't a, know it's it's amazing that there wasn't somebody like the like the receptionist wasn't responsible for taking IDs at the door at that place because <laughs> there was a lot of adult content going on. Yeah, she she would come in and put the headphones on and 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 basically rail against her dad and her mother <laughs> and it was it was scary god only knows if anybody finds that stuff dear lord but now she's doing better than all of us she's a filmmaker she's she, done some great things she's amazing yeah she uh she took a very uh non-traditional path uh quitting school in ninth grade mm -hmm. um which uh yeah, my wife and I, oh, I don't know, that almost killed us. You know, mm -hmm. we tried to get her in other schools and she would escape, literally escape. Then we moved away from LA thinking that might help. And she ran away to LA, living <laughs> on the streets of Los Angeles. This is what it's like to be a parent, okay? You, And then I went back there and actually got uh, my friend Don, who was running a show, mm -hmm. uh, Mike and Molly or something, and actually had to leave the taping of his own show to find Zane roaming the streets of L.A. This is your youngest daughter. How old is she at the time? She ran away probably 15 years old, 16 years old. And you I'm relocated Buffalo. to we Buffalo. We relocated to Buffalo, my hometown. Mm -hmm. and, and he found her while they're taping. Where Don did he find this. her? You know, we we thought, you know, she, you know, we heard she was looking for an apartment, and then, and then he, well, it, the guy's unbelievably nicest human being alive, but, uh, um, and that's what you have to deal with. You don't know, and then you think, oh my god. What have we done wrong as parents? Other than everything, but what have we done? I mean, we're normal people, you know, we're educated people. We tried to give her the right things and all all that. It just didn't take with her. She didn't want to go to school. She would have panic attacks and freak out sessions, and there was no way that she was going to, you know, get into the tenth grade. But it didn't mean she was an idiot in fact it meant the opposite no she's a really bright girl she went on to make her own movie get in with uh 
What's what's that? Jill Soloway. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I have a block. I have a block with that name. Uh, and uh, she did like a movie and a thing and a boom and then got a deal with Comedy Central. She's a bigger career than me. <laughs> Ninth grade. I went to college. Why? Why did I go to college? Why do any of us go to college? Ninth grade. It's obsolete. A deal no. with Comedy Central. Right. And uh, and very happening. You know. She didn't get the deal with Comedy Central in ninth grade. No, but like the equivalent of maybe 12th grade. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, there is that Hollywood, there's that Silicon Valley thing of like encouraging dropping out to just go and do it. And I think Hollywood, especially with YouTube and creating your own content, has that same thing. And your and your daughter was patient zero for that. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. And she was not and she was the easy child. <laughs> well, you had twins. Your your first two kids are twins. Boy girl twins. That's wild. What was that like? Well, you know, the you know, the pop-up family thing that they say and, and suddenly, you know, like I I couldn't believe it. I had with twin. What are you talking about? You know, I, I I can't even handle myself. How am I going to do? How do people? Die? If you think about it, you can't do it. Right. You know, if you you just got to trust that we're somehow wired, you know, in order to raise and 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 somehow it is. How old were you when they were born? Well, I I was I was kind of on the older side. You know, I was like thirty. You know, okay, thirty four. Okay, that's about how old I was. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I wasn't no. There was nothing that could prepare you for that. The, you know, there's just nothing. I'm sorry. And by the way, college—that should have been college. All four years should have taught you how to raise a kid. Right. It wasn't one one nope. sport, one outing, one scout. Nothing. There was nothing. You just like here's a couple of kids. <laughs> Go figure it out. When you figure it out on what? Based on what? Based on what? Like, what did I do in college? I, I, I smoke weed and, and, and did quaaludes, which, if you know, quaaludes, and I, oh, what a drug it was. They, thank God they took it away. I found some a few years back. There was this guy. He's like, I can get you quaaludes. No way. And I bought 21 off of them. Honest to God. And, and nine of them worked. Nine of them worked on a, on a varying scale of potency. Eleven of them did not work at all, and one was an Altoid. <laughs> For real, one was just an Altoid. <laughs> Wait, so what did that? How, how, when the, because you're from another era. See, I'm right. from the Quaalude era. I'm from the era of hearing about how great Quaaludes were, but not having any access. All to right. Them. So the question is, did did it deliver the way people would? Oh yeah. All right. So I'm not crazy. All right. Yeah, it's like a Superman kind yeah, of thing. You feel amazing. like anything's possible. Yes. You start yeah. hitting on the opposite sex levels that, you know, are in, you know. It's amazing to me because now we live in a pretty much smoke-free society. People who smoke cigarettes are are sequestered to very specific areas. But quaaludes were so good that I understand now why people didn't mind everyone just smoking cigarettes wherever, whenever. 
You know, if you're on Quaaludes, you don't care about smoke being blown in your eyes and your face. Are you kidding me? You're, you're begging for it. Yeah. It's, um, no, it's, that drug was ridiculous. And, and then, unfortunately, everybody abused it by drinking with it. Right. Like, it wasn't enough to just be the most <laughs> wasted you could possibly be and still be co- somewhat coherent and functioning physically. No, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta drink with this. Um, and then... People started going to comas and you know all that horrible stuff. So it didn't it didn't pan out. Um, but that that was my background, right? You know, and then like you know comedy writing and then kids, like like what? Like I can't I, I don't even know how to wake up in the morning. I have to raise kids, and you do you do you just figure it out very quickly, and 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 because you have no choice. Mm. What job? What job in comedy were you working at the time when your kids were when your wife was pregnant when Edie was pregnant? Because you're kind of like a zealot of of the uh, comedy uh, world. <laughs> the, where's kinda, Waldo? Yeah, of, you, yes. Uh, there's Scott in the background. Wow, that's that's during the alternative comedy scene. They, dude, there he is. You, you see him? He's not on that. He's in the stage behind the other stage. There he is. There he is. He's, it's a kind of a coffee house. Not quite, but he's performing. Um. That's what I was doing. At that stage of my career, I was in the alternative comedy scene, one of the happening people that we were deconstructing comedy because prior to that, we were coming out of a world of uh, The Tonight Show and Carson and very polished polished three jokes define your five-minute set and and there uh, were very few comedians kind of doing stream of consciousness and and which comedy kind of uh, originally some of the great comedians were storytellers you know you, you go back to Sam Levinson like I mean you have to go way way back you know like 40s and 50s and stuff like that so by the 90s stand-up comedy had become so uh, formulaic that it was there there was this counter this like revolution against it to tear it apart and i was part of that scene you know that uh, there were two places it was happening in venice beach and uh i think the in west hollywood the rose tattoo what was the thing where kathy griffin was uh she was involved in it judy toll is no longer with us one of the great women comedians of our time who passed away way too young and um and and that's when there's two scenes there's a scene venice beach and scene west hollywood and and we went about it now you know that's just the way comedy is now you know mm-hmm. you know with exceptions but at that time we were really on the edge you know like ooh, it wasn't well, <laughs> now i could use some jokes i gotta tell you okay you got a couple <laughs> well yeah, right about now right about now i would it would be good to insert a joke yes <laughs> a punchline would really help <laughs> right here right here but that being said you're in this edgy comedy alternative scene i've been in the alternative scene before there's not a lot of money. I mean, when I was coming up, the alternative scene was really lucrative for a, a few people, and it, it became really popular, and that bubble kind of burst, and now it's back in the club scene. But, like, you find out that you're going to become a dad, and you're just doing And I'm doing a one-minute show comedy. at Book Soup. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, two kids coming, and I'm making $35. 
Yeah. A week. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so what? Day job. Day job. And Inst- that's when you started working in Lampoon. No, no. That's when I started working at Continental Computers. It was a... <laughs> a, a yeah, they survived the tech bubble. It was a computer parts company for mainframe computers, like those Soviet size, like like the size of a building computer like server room computers yes but they were just but they weren't server room computers. computers they were like computers for like a 1950s like hospital that got their first computer and they were still trying to keep it going and we oh were the parts God. company for that and i was in accounts payable <laughs> yes that was my job so you had to track people down that's what the three kids did to me how long did no, that no, last? no no you think you think like if like like what it really is to be a parent, right? Mm-hmm. You live in this bohemian lifestyle, right? Performing at book soup. You got your forty people that show up. You got a following, baby. You you're feeling good about yourself. You know, an occasional gig that pays the rent. You know, and now I'm working just by LAX, just before the runway starts where they land the jets mm-hmm. in a one-story brick building with bars on these little windows. I'm in one, and I'm breathing in jet fumes because the, the planes would land just before, just right after they our building. They would use our building roof to slow themselves down. The wheels would hit the building, and, and then they would be able to land. But that didn't really happen. But in my mind, it did because mm-hmm. the building would shake every yeah. time they flew over. And I'm doing accounts payable, zero, 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 zero. Oh, three, good. Oh, zero, zero. I developed an accent for some reason. The whole thing was unbelievable. And this went on for years, eight hours a day. I mean, the years. How many years? Three and a half years. And that's, and that was hell on earth. Like for people like us. Uh Uh-huh you know that are kind of wired to be out there and you know and to have suddenly have a job like that numbers have no room in my day-to-day life i could not do an accounts payable job period i just numbers don't compute for me is your wife working yeah she works yeah take the job from your wife right now how many you got one kid yeah one kid Beautiful kid, Shiloh. Thank oh, you. Like, don't mention the name. Thank you. No, you can. It's okay. Shiloh, great name. Beautiful kid. Thank you. All right. Try to imagine your wife does no job. Mm-hmm. Eh? I know you make some money stand up. Yeah. You know, podcast a little bit. You know. You yeah. Know. But uh, who are we kidding? <laughs> I would have to get a job like that. Yeah. All right. And the job shows up. Oh, I could get you a job at you know twenty dollars an hour. Uh, calling people, computer, computer, to make sure they pay the company. And uh, that's what's available. Sandy, you're doing the job. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying that I refuse. I'm just saying in my current life, I just it's don't. It's unimaginable. I could not picture. Unimaginable. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Did you get this job when you found out she was pregnant, or did you get it after the kids were born? Uh, after the kids were born. I was still... <laughs> I was still in denial, even though my wife was the size of a truck. I've never, my wife is narrow. It's a narrow yes. person. Mm-hmm. She's carrying two kids. I thought, I, I, I thought she was going to explode. You know, I've never seen anything like it. It was scaring me, you know. And 
Yeah, twins I, pregnant is a whole different thing. And I didn't, you know, I I, 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 I still didn't do it. I was, I was out there going, you know, they're going to discover me. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, uh, when the kids came and I realized there were all these things that had to be done and we had to move because we were living in a very sketchy part of Venice Beach at the time now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, every part of Venice is, is very well-to-do. Yes. Still uh, kind of sketchy, but well-to-do. Yeah. But back then, there was still late 90s. You could still find, you know, some dive. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't raise the kids there. I mean, it was just right. not going to happen. So I, I, had to, I had to take that job. And I did that for, like I said, three and a half years. And then one day, you know what triggered it? I had the weirdest thing happen to me when it what triggered it. I had forgotten. I stopped performing. Mm-hmm. I was so exhausted from the kids and that that my life was just a guy in a in a hermetically sealed uh, room with bars on the windows and jet fumes, and that that was my life. Like and I said, no, this this can't be year after year after year, and you have to do it because you have to pay for the kids, mm-hmm. right? And I forgot I was in the business, or I ever was in the business. Was there ever a time that you resented your kids for that? There's a natural kind of like, you know, you know, you get those thoughts momentarily, and then you go, God, I, you. It's very easy when you have kids to kind of imagine being them because they're, they're your own offspring. Right. So you th- immediately think, God, would I want my dad thinking that? And that'd be like the worst possible. Well, they didn't be asked to be brought into this world. How do you know that? And by the way, if, it, <laughs> if they did ask to be brought into this world, they saw some crazy guy performing at Book Soup, <laughs> right? And they said, that, I, I want that guy. Yeah, That's yeah. the guy. I want a guy. I want in on that guy, and then the woman that's uh, trying to, you know, design clothes. That's the two. Those are the two. They're living in that shit all down in Venice Beach. I want in on them. Is, was there ever a conversation like that? Maybe. God, what were the other choices? Dear God. Well, I like Africa. You know, like some impoverished community and, you know, some who starving. Yeah, you could be starving somewhere. I, I get, But we were starving. We were starving in America. And they chose to be with us. So, yeah, you have an obligation. Yeah. If they chose us, then you're truly obligated. Mm-hmm. See, I actually think they do choose you. 
I guess you can find a way to see it that way. Because think about my daughter couldn't get into comedy fast enough. I didn't even have enough years to teach her it. That's true. And your other daughter isn't she dating a comedian? She's she's dating a well you know well known comedian yeah. And your son was working at the end. And my son was yeah my god it really is true yeah it's really true they they did ask to be born they they wanted in man so now you have Carl but couldn't they have like picked some like you know happening comedy manager or something like that you know like I don't know they they yeah so I I was the one so. Yes, you fight thoughts like that, but it's not it's an easy fight because you you know, they're your kids, you know, like what are you going to do? You know, like you love them, you know, yeah. unconditionally and and you do. And you're supposed to and you should. <laughs> and but it doesn't mean that uh, the your aspirations of your life die. <laughs> That's exactly die. why I started this podcast because so many people would get in my ear and be like, "Oh, you got to change everything. You you're gonna get a job now. All this stuff. You got to like change your whole life." And I don't think that that does a service to your kids if you have to do everything you didn't want to do. I think you working that bullshit accounts payable job led to you getting as as funny as our job at national lampoon was it was the best comedy job you could ever imagine but that uh, and you did it for what yeah but all right so but yeah but but here's the deal on that right so what happened was i get a call i'm there three and a half years at this company and i'm really doing very little at the time Mm -hmm. you know moving my because i just i'm just wiped Mm-hmm. And but was the job at accounts payable really that soul exhaust? sucking? Yeah, it, it was, was soul. But was, did, was it that involved? Did you were you really just sitting there working all day, all day? Really? Yeah, and and like I said, you I mean, it's a joke. Out but on it, I get hyper focused. Yeah, I, you I, do. I, you, know. you do. Yeah, I could see you caring. About that. <laughs> I know. I can't care. Do you? The numbers aren't lining They're up. Not lining up. They're not lining up. I, how many times do I have to go through this? <laughs> I'm not making that call. <laughs> I know it's 90A's, but you you didn't settle the part. <laughs> so you're working at this job? Yes, I was working call. at the job. I, I get a call. I, I literally, like, you don't even know who you are, but you, and you get very depressed, and you try to keep it together. Um, but by the way, I want before I get into that, you're right about that. Like you have to honor yourself because then you can't really be a good parent. Exactly. You have to retain your sense of self and you have to, I'm not saying indulge, but you have to keep up with your interests or else you can't be a good parent. Yeah. It's, uh, I always think of that, you know, the, the, when you're flying and they say make sure if, you know you put your mask on before you put you know the the mm-hmm. oxygen mask on your kid you know because you can't help you can't help the kid if you're choking on you know and that's like the metaphor for for like characters like us and you know as parents you know it, you do have to uh, take care of yourself you know, or you'll be, or you won't be able to help them. So let me ask you so this. So you do descend, eventually you will descend into a great depression because you're not honoring what you were 
supposed to be in life. So were you experiencing that at this time? A horrible depression, but I was I was becoming almost zombie-like. Because you told me about a time when you were experiencing a depression like that and where you stopped eating meat because of it and you you, you became a little more spiritual because of it. Was no, this that time? No, 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 no. That's many, many years before. Okay. I have a pretty long story, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. But this this is... That's a whole separate that's podcast. A whole se- <laughs> that's a whole other thing. You know, that's for... But how do you uh, mitigate- But the way what happened was I was at the computer company, mm-hmm. and and they get this call, and I'm there, and again, I'm just there three years. I hadn't taken any meetings in Hollywood. I stopped performing. I've done it. And I get this call, and I'm not... This is an absolute true story, because it sounds like, how could this be possible? And uh, they... Buzz me and says, Scott, there's somebody from People Magazine that wants to talk to you. I think it's a prank phone call. Um, do you want to take it? And I go, sure. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll take it. Three. Five. Hello? Yeah, how you know, this is so and so from People Magazine, and uh, we're doing a big story uh, profile on Gary Shandling. And apparently, you wrote for Gary Shandling, and um, well, uh, we heard some things. What, what, what do you? T- how did you find me here? What? what how did? What? What? Well, you didn't write for Gary. Sh- no, I wrote for Gary Shandling. But how do? You, how do you find me? I'm. I'm at the. I'm at like the fringe of LAX in a, in a prison warehouse. What do you? Who are you? I said we're writing a big expose on Gary Shandling, People Magazine, and we understand you might have something to say about him. Just to give the listeners a little bit of background, really quick, you used to write for Gary Shandling, and you had Judd Apatow as your intern or your assistant. No, no, Judd. Judd would come by our office when I was, again, I have a long history. I was a personal manager slash comedy writer. Judd Apatow was a, uh, just graduated USC and was putting together at 22 shows at USC using one of my clients as his MC, as stand-up shows at USC, and Mm -hmm. would come by my office uh, often um, and just hang around, you know, because there were a lot of comedians and stuff hanging around. And and uh, and Judd one day walked in <laughs> at a very young age. And Martin Luther King uh, holiday was the big story. It should it be a national holiday or not? That was the and wow. every day my partner and I, Doug Core, we would jam out stand up comedy and give it to the forty comedians that we wrote for or managed and wrote for. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, one of the clients that we wrote for at the time was Gary Shanling, okay? Um, And we were stuck on how to make that funny. And Judd walks into the room and says, oh, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to turn that into a furniture sale holiday, and which was unimaginable at the time. Now, they, that's exactly yes. what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a furniture sale holiday. Yep. So he drops in and goes, come on, Martin Luther King, 25% off. And Doug and I went, yep, that's uh, the routine. That's the routine. Then he walked out. And then three years later, we got hired to work on the movie Punchline with uh, Sally Field and Tom Hanks. And we couldn't 
uh, service our clients as comedy writers anymore. And there was a big deal that they were, uh, this woman, Beverly Todd, who, who co-starred with uh, Richard Pryor, JoJo Dancer, and she wanted a stand-up act. And she was willing to pay a lot of money for it. But we were on the lot, you know, at Columbia, like, ooh, our, our you know, our, finally our ships rolled in, or our chain, whatever the hell that. And uh, we didn't want to in any way jeopardize this, you know. So we go, why don't we just give it to somebody we think can do it? This is 1986, okay? And that kid, that kid, who's that kid? Judd, get him on the phone. And <laughs> Judd, Judd. Don't blow this. This is like twenty grand, and this is nineteen eighty six. That's a lot of money yeah, for nineteen, and especially a kid putting shows on at USC. Okay, um, and he did great, and he never looked back. That was his first professional comedy writing job. That's I, we've gone on to tangents of tangents. Cut and to. Tangents. People magazine Up to people tracking magazine. you down with their now brilliant it's years later. That's 1980s. Skills. Now it's 1999. Mm-hmm. I've got three kids. You had three kids at that point. And yeah, 1999. Three. Now you Zane have the twins. Born, yeah, 94 what? and 98. Uh, uh, Zane. Yeah. What made you think? Yeah, let's add another one into the mix. Sandy, there's a things don't always. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, so anyway, you get this call. They want to know about Gary Shanley. They think you're gonna give them all the dirt that they're looking for, and what happens after that? Well, well first of all, I had forgotten that I was even in the entertainment business, so I was shocked. That That's then, what jet fumes will do to they you. Were just, and the second thing was. How did they find me? I still, to this day, don't fully understand it. And uh, I think a friend of a friend told, you know, said something. And um, so I did have some very, I had a very bad experience with Gary Shanley, a very bad experience. And uh, and it was uh, the, the, the day that, Joan Rivers um, took the Fox. This is going back. I hope your fans are interested in comedy. Are they? Because this is like really this pushing. Technically me. qualifies as a comedy genre podcast. All right, yeah. because this is an interesting story. Because we we have to <laughs> we go back to the uh, oh dear God um, eighty five maybe um, and uh, eighty seven eighty four who knows somewhere in there um, and uh, Joan Rivers took. She was the permanent guest host of The Tonight Show, uh, Johnny Carson's show, which was the show for comedy, you know, for many decades. And, right? And she decided to take her own show, and Johnny didn't know about it. And Johnny freaked out and never talked to Joan Rivers again and, uh, and immediately went on the hunt and he knew exactly which two were going to be the permanent guest hosts of The Tonight Show. And they were basically auditioning for the next couple of weeks. And that was Gary Shanling and Jay Leno. And those were the two. So Gary called, whoops, Gary called um, uh, me that night. It was like in a panic. 
you know, that, uh, my God, this is it. My, you know, all Gary wanted to do was be the host of the Tonight Show, as did Leno. Yeah. That's all they dreamt about. And uh, you guys, have to, you know, you're 24 hours. I, I need I, so much material. I, I've got to, I've got to get, you know, and he was really panicking. And we went, okay, okay. So we drop everything, you know, everything, you know, and uh, and we write, you know, endlessly for him. And he's, you know, and the way it works is it's not like uh, someone like Gary Shandling doesn't write himself. But in stand-up comedy, you have to crunch time because it takes years to develop an act that you burn in one second on television. So how do you crunch time? You bring in characters like uh, Doug and I to, you know, crunch it. You know, something that would take, you know, a few months. Might You might have to take a few hours now, you know, to get some material. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, <clears throat> we sat with Gary We the next day. Um, this is how we made our living at the time, writing for comedians and, and, and or managing. We and it was not, really lucrative back then, And right? it was. And we, and we had bills to pay and all sorts of things. And... And uh, Gary, we were not managing Gary, by the way. We were just writing for him. And he chose to call us on his most important day. So it was a real honor, you know, and we were fans of him. And uh, we go over the material, spent hours and hours in his house. um, And he was amazing, by the way, as a comedy mind. I mean, I know there's documentaries and stuff. I can't watch them. But uh, uh, Gary had the greatest comedy mind that I had ever worked with in 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 you know, and I worked with hundreds, you mm-hmm. know, and he um, he was funnier than he even knew he was too. Um, so we would jam, you know, we had material, we jam it out, and then we ended up with some some really good material, you know, after a few hours, and um, and I <laughs> the office rent was due, okay, and. Uh, I noticed that he was walking us out in in out of his mansion, and he's not writing us a check because that was the kind of the what you did. Yeah, <laughs> and um, the custom of the walkout, <laughs> the, the ritual. Yes, you know. Um, and normally, I probably wouldn't have said anything, but I remember we we really needed that money and we had dropped a couple of other things you know and we had to get something yeah so i said um uh is there any way uh <laughs> that maybe you could um uh, pay, pay pay us uh and he went there was this weird awkward pause and then he went running into his house and disappeared. He came back with his checkbook. He wrote the check. He handed it to us, walked us out of his house to the car. And about 10 feet from the car, he snapped and said, How dare you ask me for a check? How dare you? Do you know who the fuck I am? I'm Gary fucking Shandling. I'm going to be the host of The Tonight Show. Stand-up writing comedy is a means to an end. Wow. I guess we're not going to get that Japanese baseball that we just gave you as a gift. (laughs) He was a big baseball fan, and Doug brought him a gift, which we never got back. And we went in and never heard from him again. And uh, wouldn't return our calls, never talk. And the irony is that Judd 
became his right hand man yeah. and became <laughs> that's the irony of that's it. so crazy so now it's many many years later mm-hmm. it's 1999 mm-hmm. and people magazine is on the phone and they want me to tell basically what i just told you mm-hmm. now the only reason i tell you this story uh, you know publicly is because gary's passed away now mm-hmm. okay i kept it only within friends yeah and nobody knew that story. Um, and I really was filled with some self-loathing when that People Magazine uh, <laughs> guy was on the phone. And this was, and People Magazine at the time was it. You know, this is before right. social networking, internet still in its infancy. So you know, one scathing story in People big Magazine, time, and yeah. you're finished. That was viral. Yeah, a big story in People Magazine that was viral back then. That was viral. So, like, I thought, wow, now this is it. Mm-hmm. This is my chance. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But something happened. Something in the early 90s happened. In, I got recruited to Electronic Arts in 1990 to design video games. EA Sports? Yeah, they had a new, new, they had a new, EA had a new division uh, called EA Kids, and they were looking for comedy, Hollywood comedy talent to write whimsical educational CD-ROMs. And they were paying a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And Doug and I, said sure (laughs) and we became video game designers and for three years i worked for electronic arts designing games for children that were funny and educational and one of our big games came out in las vegas at the ces show that's where they used to do it they introduced the games there and uh called scooter's magic castle I remember that. And um, what happened was that Gary um, was performing at the Sega party. We were invited to a big party at Sega, which is, uh, you know, that was, the, that was the big platform at the time. And uh, so we went. We went to the party. And uh, this is maybe five years since he 
rip this that and now we're not even in the business we're in the right. game business we go fuck we're in the <laughs> we're in the banquet hall it's like large banquet hall there's no stage we're drinking we're partying you know talking video games with everybody you know it's like a big you know meet and greet and networking and that business mm-hmm. and and we're drunk as fuck and suddenly Gary Shanley walks out and we had forgotten like that he was like we were that wasted you know yeah and and he's at the one end of the ballroom okay mm-hmm. he's at one end of the ballroom right and there's like all there is is like a drum set there's no stage there's no elevation he's standing you know on the fo- not a good scene you know no. with the buffet and he's all got to perform and he's got to perform oh, there's a the mic worst. stand on a form in a ballroom with food and drinks barely any tables everybody talking no seats no seats and I remember how much he hated this because during one of our comedy sessions, he once, ironically, again, it's irony and irony, he got a call from all, of all places, People Magazine. Oh, my God, I totally forgot about this. They were offering him $30,000 for, and this is, uh, let's say, 80, um, uh, I don't know, 87 maybe. Uh, you know, $30,000 for just a one-hour performance, flying to Vegas, everything. I, I, I was right there. And he hung up the phone. He said, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't like those kinds of gigs. Yeah, they're the worst. I don't care how great a comedy mind you are or how great a performer or how famous you are. That is the kind of gig where you are set up to fail. It was It was unbelievable. So I knew how much he hated this. And Doug and I went immediately to when he came out. We immediately grabbed another vodkas and just shoved them down. So I mean, I'm pumped with like four or five vodkas. I mean, I'm loaded, and no. And Gary starts talking. He starts trying to, you know, start up. And Doug and I go, "Oh, this is our chance, man." We're, we're, we're relishing because we're like successful yeah. video game designers. Like, oh, this is our payback for all of it, you know. And we go running up and we're now because there's no stage we're literally five feet from him five feet from him okay Uh with our drinks going make us laugh funny man oh no you know with that look yeah and he starts doing his bit and his routines and everybody won't stop talking they're all talking it's the worst but Doug and I are actually, we, we're kind of listening, you know? <laughs> and within 45 seconds, we went from make us laugh funny, man, you fuck, to hysterically laughing. Mm-hmm. He was great. He was great, man. You know, he was the best. He, he had become, he had started doing what we always wanted him to do which was that stream of consciousness thing because he used to be stuck in that like joke 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 but when you would jam with him right it would be this endless routine and go gary that's what you needed and now he's and now he's doing it he's performing like that and it's so awesome and we're dying laughing this is a guy we hate he's he's the bane of our existence why we we got out of the business i mean really i mean we're at that level and we can't stop laughing at him because this is what we are. This is who we are. You know, this is the truth. Yeah. So this is why you didn't tell people. So what happened was 
At the end, and because we were laughing, the guys behind us started laughing, and the whole place starts laughing. He ends up having the greatest friggin' show. And at the end, the Sega CEO comes running over, and he kind of pushes him away, and he waves us over. He waves us over, and he and he pushes everybody, everybody back, and he puts our his arm around Doug and I, and he pulls us over in a corner, and he's. I'm really, really, really sorry, guys. I was so wrong. I was so profoundly wrong what I did, and I always think about that, and I'm very, very sorry. And that was enough for me. Now, here I am, People Magazine, working accounts payable. (laughs) I barely have lung capacity. I hate my life. I hate show business. And this is my opportunity to pay back. And uh, how so much money were they offering you? Nothing. And he said, I understand you have something to say about Gary Shanling. Yeah, I actually do have something to say about Gary Shanling. Gary's the greatest comedy of mine who I ever worked with. And anybody that was in his presence who were fortunate enough to jam comedy out is a lot better person because of it. We should all be so lucky. That's all I have to say. Goodbye. And I hung up. And that's... uh, And then I realized, wow, I used to be in show business. Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, maybe it's time I grabbed the the mask from above the oxygen mask and put it on and like next week I walked up to the lady and I said I'm really grateful that you gave me this job you know but I think I'm done she said really you never no I'm, I'm, I'm done and I came home and we packed up all the boxes with the little kids and we were moving back to Buffalo and and uh, you know, we were gonna start again, you know, in another town. And I was just gonna, I was gonna be on the radio <laughs> in Buffalo and start my life that way, and tell stories and do things. And um, we're leaving in three days, and I get this call from one of the guys I used to write for, right? And <laughs> who? <laughs> Skippy from Family Ties, oh, Mark Price. Mark Price. Yeah, who I actually managed when he was on Family Ties and in the 80s. And, was, and he was uh, quite a character then, you know. And um, he said, I heard there's a job at National Lampoon. <laughs> I said, I, I, what, are you, are you kidding? No, I, I thought you and I would go in for it. You and I? What are you, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> what? I, I'm going to Buffalo. I, I haven't worked in years. Wait, they're going to hire me to be the editor of National Lampoon? I, what are you talking you're, you're, about? Well, that's why I thought we both should go in. You? What are you, you do stand-up. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, you used to have that magazine when you started, right? Yeah, but that was 20 years ago. What are you? Well, I, he hangs up on me. So... I went, all right, just some bullshit story. Yeah. <laughs> and he calls me back. He says, hey, I got you an interview over there, you know. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's for another show. 
but uh, I will not continue the story because you have a show to do. Because no, this is amazing because it it's actually really inspiring and really on brand with what I do on this podcast. So I started this podcast to create a community and support system for people who want to have kids, but also continued their lives the way they want to live it. And I think it's the thesis of this is like to be a good parent, you have to be a, you have to be good to yourself and you can't lose your sense of self in prioritizing your kids, every little tiny need over everything that you do. You got to find a balance. And that story with all the tangents and all, which are important to it, really help paint the picture of how and why your kids love you. I've I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've been around you and your family. And they all, obviously, they're all in comedy in some capacity. And th- that's really powerful, man. And if you just kept working that accounts payable job, breathing in jet fuel, who knows? Like, you had a, a, a tough time with them because they were strong-willed like you to go do the, the not go to school and pursue what they wanted to do. But can you imagine if they had that strong will without the direction or interest in comedy, what they would be doing? They'd be on Skid Row. <laughs> if you had just kept working by the airport, your kids would be on Skid Row right now. <laughs> I mean, one of them would still be dating a comedian, but they would be a, a comedian on Skid Row. You know, there's... Uh you know, it's 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 interesting. Wow, that's, there's a lot there. Yeah, that you, you, that's <laughs> because I honestly think that if you are happy with what you are doing, you that that portends out into your family, and they take an interest. You don't have to force things on them. They just are interested in what you like because you are so happy being interested in it. What's it's all it's all true and beautiful you know it's great um my uh just just to add to that a little bit is um is that the you know like when you're creative we call them you know like the day job you know mm-hmm. and uh now, they're, they're now called side hustles the side, yeah well lift and that kind of side hustle but mm-hmm. counts payable at yeah. the airport is yeah, that's not a, a side day, yeah. <laughs> that's a day job but lift is a side hustle um uh, <laughs> uh turn it and trick at the corner no, I, um, <laughs> I wish <laughs> imagine I if wish, I could pull I that I wish off. that was marketable enough <laughs> for you, me wow <laughs> one time in my life I'd just like to know if I could pull that <laughs> off um but but uh there is a time where, you know, as a parent, that you do have to do those sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you, you do have to do that, you know. Because um, there's some parents that won't, you, you know. And, I've, I've and, seen it. And it's, uh, and it's not pretty. Um, and there are times when you really do have to spend three years, you know, you know figuring it out and supporting. You've got to provide. You know, that's part of the deal. Um, but it doesn't mean, you know, but eventually prison sentences end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, and mine expired, and I knew it was the moment, and uh, and it was time to leave. Los Angeles had expired for me, mm-hmm. and it was time to start uh, afresh. 
So um, I took this meeting at National Lampoon, um, quite honestly, as a goof. I mean, I uh, there was no, and when I tell you, like, there was zero, <laughs> zero chance that I would get this. So there was absolutely no pressure whatsoever. Like, Those none. Those are the best auditions. <laughs> just none. The best. None, man. It was just, it was just like, oh, this will make an interesting story on some weekend radio show in Buffalo. You know, th- this is all this is. Right. So. I met the vice president and, and you know, we had this great conversation. We were just talking. You know, I brought my old magazine from 1981 that I started, you know, that covered comedy as its own scene. Laugh track. Laugh track. And uh, it was also half comedy writing. And I gave it to him. Oh, this is great. You know, like I'm a big Buffalo Sabres fan. And he tells me and we're talking sports and all. And after a half hour, you know, he goes, hey, it was great meeting you, you know. Hey, great meeting you, too. He goes, yeah, we already hired someone. Yeah, well, I figured, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, you never know. Well, all right, well, it was great to me. And I, I get home. And I get home, and there's a voicemail on the on the on the uh, machine they still had. Um, and uh, it said, uh you know, this is Duncan uh, Murray. Uh, Jim Jamiro would like to, our CEO would like to meet with you. Uh, why don't you come back in uh, tomorrow? I'm gonna, what, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? I came out to Los Angeles to basically be the editor of National Lampoon. That's why I started a comedy magazine right in my first month at 21 to take, to knock out Lampoon. So, this is my last meeting. I'm going in to meet the CEO. This is my last meeting because we're moving next week to Buffalo. This is my last meeting in Hollywood. This return meeting. Callback. The callback. So I said, I, oh, I don't fucking care at all what happens to me. <laughs> That's how I went in. And I said, you know what? I should be careful. I should just in case in this million to one chance, I should probably write something, you know, like like just a little something, you know, for the dude. You know, so I wrote something that night, and I said, you know, just uh, just in that little. So I meet Jim Jamero. Now Jim Jamero is the uh, f- founder of uh, Disney Home Video and. Uh, Maybe even the Disney Channel. He was the president of the Disney Channel. Um, then he started his own company. When home vid, direct to home video was like a huge business. He was one of the pioneers in that business and bought the National Lampoon out of bankruptcy in the uh, early '90s and tried to resurrect it with the magazine and kind of failed and then started selling off the brand to like Fox Family and all mm-hmm. these weird things. And here was the internet like emerging and he thought well this is the chance to resurrect the national lampoon as an internet based you know entity instead of a magazine print so this was a big this was his last hurrah to get it right and um and i walk in and they've already hired somebody (laughs) and i'm moving in three days boxes with three little kids and I've taken, oh, at that time, I probably took a 1,000 meetings in Hollywood from, like, 1981 to that 
time. And Jim uh, is quite a character. He's got he's um, he's got kind of show business uh, hubris, you know, and uh, he's. You know he's accomplished a lot, and he let kind of lets you know it through his visual cues and and leaning back on his desk with his feet up in the corner office and talking to me and and um, he takes I hand him my <laughs> 1981 magazine, okay, and you know because I had a, I thought I'd bring something, and he he goes right to the ba- and then the magazine was it was it was distributed in record stores right mm-hmm. and it had all the comedy club ris- listings right so in the back page it was the comedy boom of the uh, early 80s late 70s right so uh he goes right to the back page and he goes that's closed that's closed that's closed that's a gay club right that's closed that's closed and then he closes the magazine this kind of large newsprint type magazine and he flips it back to me and I, I'm telling you, it hit a wind, and it hit me in the neck like like a shuriken Death Star. <laughs> okay, I'm not kidding you. It it hit me in the neck. My own magazine. Yeah. My last meeting in Hollywood with this guy with the feet up on the desk, with the corner office, and all the almost and just about it. We're gonna do it, Scott. We're giving you 13 weeks. No, uh, did we say 13? We meant uh, 13. Uh, we meant six. We meant uh, we meant nothing actually. We meant a pilot. A pilot. Are you kidding me? Uh, we meant a script. We're giving you an option for a script. Uh, option? Did we say option? Can you please get out of the office right now? I mean, every minute. Every meeting I ever had. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was flashing before me all the 20 years. All the almost. Oh, this is it. Oh, you're a genius. Oh, this. Eh, blah, 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 blah. All the bullshit. And this guy just threw my own magazine and hit me in the neck in my last meeting. And he as and now I'm just I'm literally hyperventilating and everything's in slow motion oh and he says to me and it's literally going in slow motion I swear yeah, if you were the editor of National Lampoon what would you do you know like and it's like vibrating in my head you know and I go what would I do what would I do? And I stand up from the chair and I roll up my sleeves. And I'm now hovering over the desk and I realize this guy's going to get my wrath. All the things I wanted to say in every show business meeting, I'm saying in this one. This, I'm getting it out. And I go, first off, I would never sell the the, the name to, to like anybody coming in here what the hell is that about right i would go back or take no prisoners everybody gets it everybody white black jew gentile third you, you take no prisoners equal opportunity satirists we just every you know i would respond like what like talk radio responds to issues like instantly because it's the internet we'd be in boom boom you know and i'm on and on and on, i'm like freaking him out and, and i'm calling him on all the, the bad decisions he's done you know and 
he looks at me as if nobody had ever talked to him like that in his entire career. And they probably, he's probably had yes men for 30 years. Think about it. Yeah. You're telling the president of Disney Channel, like, you know, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right. And I, and he goes, and I survive it. He goes, yeah, you're right. He goes, you're right, Scott. You're right. I don't know what the hell we've been doing. You're right. He's agreeing with me. So he suddenly says, uh, we have to wrap it up? No, keep going. He goes, um, so, you know, uh, Scott, uh, I'm a big Cole Porter fan. Big Cole Porter fan. And uh, see, I was was, uh, surfing the web, and, uh, and suddenly something popped up on a Cole Porter site, and it said, for a blowjob, click here. And I thought that was the funniest thing. I thought just it was the, the juxtaposition of that was just so crazy. I'm, I mean, I'm looking for a jazz and, and a blowjob. He's setting me up because I hadn't been funny yet, you know, kind of like in this interview, you know, just passionate, you know. And, uh, and he, he's setting me up like this. And the thing I had written the night before was because internet porn was like all the rage at that time. Like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like an adult bookstore on my... People are freaking out. Every work, anybody in the workspace, you're looking at porn, you're looking at porn. And it was, was, we just couldn't believe what was happening. By the way, still is. Well, (laughs) it might be, but this was the first time it was happening. Right. You know, so everybody couldn't believe, you know, like Napster when it first came. You get any song? Are you kidding me? You know, people freaking out. Yeah. So they're freaking out about the porn thing. And I wrote, and they would have these disclaimers, like, you know, if you're 18, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and then like someone would be severe. So I wrote an endless disclaimer for the most fucked up porn site of all time, mm-hmm. you know. And the disclaimer say, if you clicked on the the first disclaimer, 18, you, know, you would get a much more severe disclaimer, mm-hmm. you know. All right, you know, and then we get like to the point where, all right, dude, I've been there. Are you sure you can handle this? You know. Um, all right, why don't you look at this picture of Jesus for the next five minutes, and then you tell me if you. All right, we'll give you a taste. Here, here, you know, toenail finish, you know, up the, you know, just here's the taste of some of the things. And then if you, you know, and then like at the end, if you get through eight of these, you click on it, and it's like FBI cyber cops. Yeah, like yeah. if you made it all the way through there, you're busted, dude. And then that launches an early video show called cyber cops <laughs> like that would launch yeah. the cyber cop division and then like suddenly they're running with their virtual goggles on trying to break a, you know and it was so i wrote that and i said it's interesting you mentioned that jim because i happen to have something right here and i start reading from the page and you know as a comedy person you should never read from the page no. <laughs> Never. So I'm reading, you know, if you click here, 18, you know, and I, you know, and I'm, because I wrote it last night. I wanted to get every word, right. you know, and, and I'm writing and reading and reading it. Click here. All right. I've been to like, it's a, it's not a function, you know, but whatever it is. Well, all the things I, I can't remember. And click here, click here, and I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. There's no reaction. And I'm like, oh, God. Really? 
I came this far and there's no fucking man. It's, but I keep going. Finally, I got like the courage to like take a peek at what's going on. And I'm killing him. I'm literally killing him with this piece. He's got one of those inverted laughs. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And he's waving his hand, begging me to stop. He, he, it, it, it's actually happening. Yeah. I'm killing somebody when I'm supposed to be killing somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a bad comedy hitman, okay? <laughs> I kill people. I, ta- I hit them. You know, but you weren't really supposed to take out that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know that was a guy. You know, you were sharing line at Starbucks. You know, like uh, who cares? Right. You know, but you killed him. Right. Nobody cares. You know, if a tree falls in the forest, who cares? <laughs> Nobody knows that you killed the guy at Starbucks. Nobody killed knows you killed the guy, your second cousin, at the at the funeral. Nobody knows. It's all. It's it's just hearsay and. But now I'm killing the CEO of National Lampoon, and he's begging me to stop. And I finally stop, and he comes to, and he goes, he, all right, all right, uh, yeah, yeah, Duncan uh, told me about you. Okay, all right, well, uh, okay, Scott, well, um, look, uh, we, we, we already hired somebody, but, uh, you know, um, but it, but it was great meeting you, and yeah, yeah, you never know. And uh, and I go and I go. Well, hey Jim, it's great meeting you too. And I shook his hand and I walked out and I went, "Wow, that's a good way to leave this town. Mm-hmm. All out on the field, nothing, yeah. all of it. I left it all out there." <laughs> <laughs> and I walk back and I go, "Now I could leave." I get home. There's a voicemail on the machine. This is Duncan Murray. We need four references um, by tomorrow. Thank you. Huh? This is real? This is fucking real? I must be hallucinating this. I'm in boxes, man. Yeah. It's over. 20 years. I'm done. I'm out. Your kids are sleeping in little, no, a, little what, Moses cradles that you're about to send down the sleeping, river. Literally sleeping. Miles is sleeping in the in a, in a closet, <laughs> a big closet with yeah, a window, yeah. but but a, it's an actual closet. Yeah. So um, I uh, I go. God, this is weird. Who do I even know? I haven't worked in years in the business that would mean anything. Who do I call? And you start thinking, oh, yeah, that guy that I started. Yeah, and that guy, you know, but they're from years ago. I don't even know where their numbers are. Like, you know, there's no smartphones. You know, like an old Rolodex might have. I don't, where do you begin? I got 24 hours. I got to talk to them. So I, I, uh, I find David Seltzer, who wrote and directed Punchline. And he, he agrees, and I find the guy I did my magazine with who's now the head of creative director at MGM, and he was my <laughs> art director of my magazine when we were in our early 20s. He agrees uh, to a couple other people. I found these people like a miracle. I send them over, and then I have to tell my wife what's going on. Did you find a place in Buffalo? Yes. 
Yeah, we didn't buy it. We were going to rent and then buy, but we had the place we were renting. We, you know, we there was a lot of housing stuff. But yeah, we knew exactly what we were doing. So I have to tell Evie um, what's going on because the weekend, uh, you know, and I guess I was freaking out. Like, what the fuck is going on here? So I say, Evie, um, I'm up. (laughs) Please don't. Don't start again, please. I can't. I can't do this anymore. Do, mm-hmm. Just don't. Well, I th- I thought I had to say something because I'm a bit of a wreck, you know. Right. And we're doing. We're having this conversation on boxes, right? Okay. She said, no, I don't want to hear anymore. No, no, all of this. Ah, another show business. No, I can't hear. And I go, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Let's just stay focused. You have the moving company, you have the this and that, you know, this and that. And, you know, and the whole weekend, I just focused on that and the kids. That was it. And then Monday morning at 10 o'clock, March, <laughs> March 27th, 1999, mm-hmm. I get a call from Duncan Murray, the first guy I interviewed, and he said, hello, Scott. I said, Hello, Duncan. He said, congratulations. You're the new editor-in-chief of National Lampoon. Here's your salary. It was more money than I ever I thought of ever making in my life. And uh, here are your stock options. Here's your thing. And I swear to you, I felt like I was hallucinating. I, for real. Like, for real. You know, like, halluc- like mm-hmm. genuinely hallucinating. Because yeah. this is all I ever wanted. Right. And I hang up the phone. And I see my kids, you know, running around. And I see Evie in the living room of our shit apartment and curse on there and one of those duplexes. <laughs> now it would be a great apartment. And uh, I, I, I say, Evie, what? I don't want to hear. Please, you took that. You could let that in. You, you know, why would you ever let that in? You know, just to get hurt. No, no. Then why are you crying? I, I'm the new editor of National Lampoon. What? What? And I told her the salary and the thing, and and she, we both literally collapsed. Literally collapsed. I mean, we were, we just couldn't believe it. How is this possible? And I spent ten years there and made a very nice living and and got to meet people and work with people like you and Phil and and all the others and and do you know you know what it was like yeah, we it was got the best wake up and do whatever we wanted to do for yeah. the best job you could ever imagine so uh, how does it uh, so yeah there's a time but I don't think I ever get there unless I do the three years at the day job. You know what I mean? Like somehow they're all connected. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're all connected in some way. They, you know, God rewards those who do. You know, like if I didn't do the day job and put my kids in jeopardy, I don't think you get rewarded by God, the universe, however you want to call it. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the st- <laughs> that's the story. <laughs> all right, I got th- three wrap up questions for you. Uh, what's a lesson you learned the hard way in parenting? <clears throat> lesson I learned the hard way in parenting. Um, a lesson I learned the hard way in parenting. Uh, 
Um, if you want to think about it, what do you most look forward to with your kids? We'll come back to the hard way. Well, it all depends what age you're talking about. Like, like right now with them being in their early mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Like, what I look yeah. What do you to, look forward to the most? <laughs> for them to just call. Like, <laughs> it's exactly, it's exactly what our parent. You know, mm-hmm. you know, that's a real thing because they get so wrapped up in their life. And they like parents become like air, you know. You know, you they lose. They're in their own bubble, and they don't think of us like we need to hear from them. But we desperately need to hear from them. Yeah. And and on a regular basis, it's a real thing. It's a real thing, and and it's uh, so that's what I enjoy most when I hear from them, you know, and connected with them. And uh, well, yeah. What unsolicited advice do you have for parents listening? You could make plans, serious plans, <laughs> and um, and you could do everything you can to make that plan happen. And you probably should, but just know that at some point, whatever you think is going to be is not going to be. And when that happens, you can't completely fall apart. You've got to know that um, that the love that you gave your children is now part of them, and ultimately, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, and you're going to weather the storm if you're a good, decent person and a good, decent parent. They will come around often. Look, there's exceptions to everything. Some some people get so far off, they never come back. I get it. But 95% of the chance, they're going to come back. My kids, both, I had two out of three kids. My son, 11 different high schools. And now he goes to Columbia, okay? He, he couldn't handle 11 and now he just sent me that he aced a, a, an essay like literally just before I walked in here and there was a time when I actually thought you know that uh, he's going to have to be captured and sent to Utah you know um, and uh, no they come around man they come around if they've been loved and supported you know it's a tough world man and things and those plans that you have for your kids, you know, yeah, some people get lucky, you know, but a lot of people, it ain't going to happen. But you still should stick with your plan. You know, you should still stick with it. But uh, but just know that there's a good chance, uh, you know, they fall off the cliff. And, uh, and just know that the love that you've done in the past – will be part of them and will get them through oftentimes that's really beautiful i'm this has been i I would love to have you back again this was really really great do you want to let people know about the movie anything you want to promote the movie is called uh yeah the movie came out last year uh rainbow bridge motel and i went to go see it and it's genuinely super funny i wouldn't expect less from you it was great. Thanks. I appreciate it. I loved it. it. I highly recommend it. And I have a TV show um, that 
you know, might come out in a <laughs> I have Chinese partners, and we don't know exactly. <laughs> China's a, a little bit crazy right now. Um, but uh, it's supposed to come out in probably the next 60 days. So it's called Before Future Boy, and I star in it and write it and direct it. And so that's what's... I can't uh, wait to see it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Sandy. It's great to, ha- this was to so see much and fun. hang out with you, man. Yeah, always, always. <laughs> so much fun. We could do a show once and like we're just funny. You know, yeah. it's just... <laughs> I, you know what? To be honest with you, I like doing this show because it, it doesn't have to be funny, but the funny moments are really funny. But I, it's more just to to like get get stories out that people wouldn't otherwise tell and you probably wouldn't have otherwise told that whole Dude, story. Were you there with the, the guy that was able to do the, an amazing Jerry Lewis impression, contemplative Jerry? I don't remember that. There was a there was an impressionist at the lampoon that he used to come in and he could only do he you know, Jerry Lewis who, who even knows him, but our age and up knows him, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, <laughs> he could only do the impression of Jerry Lewis when he became contemplative. <laughs> And I have become like I'm the contemplative Scott Rube. You got the <laughs> contemplate. You know, I remember with Dean that we we when we partnered together first, and you know, there's that Jerry, right. and that Jerry could go on for like hours, and then there's this Jerry, that lady, you know, and um, and uh, God, I hope I'm not that schizoid when it comes to <laughs> interviews because I no, think this I was might great. be. This was so good. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah. It was awesome.